intro to your range anxiety. 30 years of mucking around with cars and tuning experience in 30 minutes and that lead-in was from the Commodores and it's called Brick House and all that grunting reminded me of the one and only <clears throat> Paul Housen. <laughs> <laughs> you like that? No, yeah. not really. Where did that come from? Hello, Marty. Hey, world. Hey, babe. Yeah, I was wondering where that intro came from. It's... Interesting. Yeah, yeah, I think it was from that new audio feed we have from the Roxby Showers. <laughs> yeah. uh, this is actually the second take of this. We normally do a one-take show, but I forgot to press the record button. <laughs> you did, and so you we're did. rabbiting away for a couple of minutes, and it's like, uh, yeah, nah. Uh, so what have you been doing this week, Paul? Yeah, as I said earlier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, been working away there at the uh, in the mines on heavy machinery. Big diesel trucks and loaders and, yeah, out in the desert. It's great. Like holding wrecks and boiling diesels. Who yeah. was that? That was the oils, wasn't it? That's that's right. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, the time has come to say fair's fair <laughs> um, to yep. pay your rent uh, on the tuning lessons and to pay your share. That's exactly right. And I did do some home tuning. Well, sort of home tuning. <sighs> I was away at work. Yeah. It still count Car park tuning, I think you'd call yeah, that. Great. Yeah, great. I'm car- glad to see you've learned something constructive. <laughs> yeah, always plying my trade. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I've learned yeah. from the best. Yeah. Well, well that's what he keeps telling me. Yeah, Phillips. <laughs> nah, haven't nah. learned anything from me. From the internet. Yeah, right. Is that his name? Bill Gates taught you. YouTube's taught me everything I know. So did I teach you something today, though? What did, what did I show you today? Because uh, what, what's the guy's name again? Brownie. Brownie, Brownie. Brownie came around in that yep. GDR that was, was never... I said I didn't want to touch it and ruin it because it's a reasonably good thing. And, and I, since you touched it, since you, you've made it heaps better. Right. Well, you didn't do it. We, you made him do it on, him, on his own. But yeah, under your supervision. Definitely found something amiss there, didn't we? Well, yeah. What happens with everyone with an RB engine when they want to paint their rocker covers and neaten up the engine bay, they always screw up the base timing. So Brownie came in wanting to put what big single do I need, what twins should I have, what ECU do I need to ruin my beautiful R32 GDR and... You know, I thought of like, uh, I'm thinking like, stuff him, let's ruin it by modifying it. And uh, and what do you do before you modify? You lay down a base run. Lay it down. And what in this R32, big exhaust, you know, open exhaust, front yep. pipes. Yep, yep. Couple of like, old like, apexy pods. Yep. All of the good fruit. And, and what did it lay down? A stout 109 kilowatts. At all rear two. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah. We were in two-wheel drive, but what did I tell him when I had a look under the bonnet the out there? First, the first visual under the bonnet, you noticed the crank angle sensor was um, skewed one way drastically, which Clocked. was retarded. And so what did I ask him? Who said it, I think you asked him. No, what did I say? Has this thing got cams or cam yes, gears that's in right. Because then that would explain why it's been... Yeah. I mean... Dodged yeah. around, really. Well, if you're going to crackle... Uh, finish your covers and front cover, and you, which was uh, a nice job on and, and fit R35 nice. GDR coils to it to yep. take away a little bit more originality from the package, <laughs> uh, but still GDR is still in the family, I suppose. Yep. It's bespoke. Um, it's bespoke. Um, you think you'd like set the timing? So what? What did I tell him he had done? You said something about he's referenced the signal incorrectly. Is that right? Yeah. So if you reference off the timing loop at the back of the loom on an RB, you get a double fire. So your timing reads uh, double because it should be firing. 
basically, yeah, it's the way they've got it hooked up and the way the ECU drives it. So the only correct way to get a timing signal, if you're not smart enough to realise that it's double, double firing or reads double off the back loop, is to take a reference off number one, you know, put a lead in there or clamp yep. around the, the inductive or the inductive lead around the wiring. But So what he's done is he, he's read it at um, 10 degrees, uh, sorry, 20 degrees idling, and let's say it should be 10. I think, geez, I, don't, I can't even remember. Yeah, it's 20, it should have been. Okay, so yep. he's read it at 40 when it was 20. Right. And so he's wound 20 degrees out of it, so he's effectively set it to zero. Okay. So and, he, and it made the power accordingly. Yeah, but what did the boost do? It did not much, did it? No, the boost made lot more boost. Why would a retarded engine make more boost? Because oh, of the heat that it's generating. Yeah, you're yeah, using the yeah, turbochargers yeah, yeah. as a jet. Yeah. No, I'm just thinking that it didn't make much boost, but no, you're right. He got, it ran away got, at got the out end. of it early there as well. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, you don't want to flog an RB with 100 of the wheels. There's obviously clearly something wrong. So, yeah. so when he set it up, the timing up correctly, it made 180 kilowatts at the wheel. So nearly doubled it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like I said to him, you might not want to butcher this car now. It might get away from you. I haven't heard from him. Yeah, <laughs> and it was raining in Adelaide this morning. You could, yes. have, you could have done the dirt turbo. Yeah. Lucky he remember put that fuse back in and he's back on with all-wheel drive. Well, exactly. Well, well, what's probably left of it. It is an old car. And um, an oldie but a goodie, Martin. An oldie, yeah, they're it a good nice, car. It was nice, wasn't it? Uh, look, for, you know... 20 years ago, I would have said, yeah, it's an average one. But in this day and age, yeah, it's a good one. It's yeah, not yeah. It's not molested. Um, he's had the speedo checks done. Apparently, it's done 60,000 Ks. But, you know, there was there's one giveaway that someone has changed some things on that car, and that is the steering or the gear stick knob and the handbrake are all flogged out. Like, yeah. they've had lots of fingers on them over the time. But, you know, that might have been just because of the type of use that it had in Japan. Yep, yep. But normally, you know, you don't see car. I didn't have a look at the pedal rubbers, which is the giveaway on a GDR, right? Okay. Pedal rubbers where, are always a giveaway where, because, yep. you know, who can wear through the rubber on a clutch pedal in 100,000 Ks? Yeah. Many, many GDR owners, by the look of it. Yes, there'd be a lot of clutch kicks involved, mate. Well, yeah, but they're not. You know, a lot of these things, and I'm not saying this one has because he, he did the mileage, have had the, the clocks knocked on them. Yeah. You know, it yeah. was a was a trick for a lot of GDR owners back in the day to disconnect their speedos and, you know, keep driving them. Ferris Bueller style, put it in reverse on a on some yeah, bricks? Does yeah, yeah. Would that work on them? Uh, no. Sure. no. No, I don't think okay. so. Don't think so, but, you know, you're up for a try. But, I mean, <laughs> I'm, so normally the GDRs I see that are most... Um, impressive examples of the low-key breed have about 150, 160, 180 on them. Right. Because a lot of the ones, and again, Brownie, I'm not saying this is yours. yours. Yours looks good enough to have done those case, but a lot of the ones you see with, you know, we used to get them from Japan, and that'll have 95 or 98 or 99. Because people love that under 100? Yeah. Yeah, there's and a few little psychological things going on. Yeah, there is, you know. It's the old FOMO, I suppose, fear of missing out on being the one to cl the clock the 100,000. Yeah. Um, and People would say, though, you know, if it came from Japan like this, they've never, mate, they, they would never do anything dishonest. And as a rule, the Japanese are fairly honest to deal with, um, that, that I've dealt with and know worse or better than anyone else. But there was, from what I saw over there, a big, big business in knocking speedos. Yeah. Huge yeah, business okay. in knocking speedos. I remember watching a guy and I thought he was like a rocket scientist because he could knock a clock on a Toyota Sora. You know, that, oh, digital dash, no worry, yep, yep. done, you know. 
So let's face it, someone selling a car, or a car salesman, let's mm. call them that, mm -hmm. most of them are the same globally, aren't they? Well, I don't know. I don't oh, really want to upset I'm, any of my listeners. Yeah. But look, there's a, there's a lot of... Look, when you're selling cheap old flogged out cars, which is what they were to the Japanese at the time, all of the most of the imports, you know, they, they would cut some corners. I yeah, mean, I saw definitely. it happen live in front of my eyes, you know. Yep. So, no matter. But that's, that's a good one, what you just said there. Cheap old things at the time. Yeah. Because... Would they be that way over there now? Uh, no, 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 no. The stuff, the stuff is more expensive there. You are paying more for this crap in Japan because not crap, but these good cars in Japan. Yeah, yeah I don't know about V8 Sauras. I mean, yeah, they're crap. Yeah, okay. um, give you that one. Yeah, give me that one. <laughs> but you, the price has gone up there because the price has gone up. It, it, the price was only driven up in Japan because they're more desirable globally. So people were coming in and just paying whatever they wanted at auction. So it's the auctions that have driven up the prices. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, the, the problem we've got now is that, you know, people are discovering 32s that are, what, 30 years old or whatever they are now and um, treating them like today's supercar and they're not. They're fragile old girls now and they're good, they're brilliant cars and they should be treated as a classic collectible, not not um, um, modern day race car because they're yeah, not. Yeah, but a, a classic collectible. So people in Japan that got rid of them all them years ago, mm. some of them reliving their glory days, if you like, or whatever. I don't they, think the Japanese are buying they're them. Not, they're not sentimental like that, are they? No, I don't think so. No? Again, I don't really know. So it's us Aussies and Yanks and stuff that are... Yeah, look, the, the Americans, thank you to my American listeners, you've now put all of this shit out of reach of all yes. of us. Um, it's the Americans that have driven the price through the roof with that, you know, being able to bring in... The 32, so everyone's just waiting. I think the 34s next year or year. Um, I don't keep up with that, but it's all this. Oh, they haven't got 34s yet. I don't think so. Oh, good God, the prices are going to go astronomical. Well, they already have, but I think That's it's one what of the, I'm saying. Well, in the stock market, we like to um, refer to it as the gains are already are priced in. Okay. You know, and people are saying, you know, our 34s are going to be $700,000. And I don't think they're going to be because they were a good car, but they weren't that good a car. Yeah. You know, yeah. you can buy a lot of car for $700,000. A lot of cars. A lot of cars. You can buy a shed full uh, yeah. of cars for $700,000. You can get like a, okay, what can you buy for $700,000? You can buy um, a VS uh, manual six cylinder and a VF GDS for 700000 Yeah. I mean, it's got to be better than an R34, doesn't it? You'd think so, wouldn't you? The no. Australian supercars? Australia. Um, <laughs> which brings me to what we were talking about earlier yeah. um, with ridiculous prices of cars. And one of the ridiculous prices, and I think we've discussed it in some um, way, shape or form before, is, is VF Commodores have yeah. got nuts. Yeah. Um, and a lot of their counterparts haven't, but we'll get on to that. So if you look around now for a, a VF GDSR... People are asking $180,000 to $200,000, not a W1. Yep. A GDSR. And what was a GDSR? It was like a, a sticker pack over a GDS VF2, wasn't it? Yeah, pretty much. I don't think... They, they were just the little trinkets thing that they did, wasn't yeah, it? Really? Yeah, yeah. Might I have had think some there was anything different else. stuff on the dash. And the part's been special, really. Pretty much. Yep. Yeah. All but, the options ticked, and they sell it as a package. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Okay, so, you know, people are paying one hundred and eighty or two hundred grand for those. And, and you know... And even the, the, the VF GDS, the VF2 and the VF1 or the VF2 Club Sport, you know, anything with an LSA in it is worth big money and people are paying well north of 100k for them. Yep. So 
And what you're it, talking a very specific line too, just the HSVs. Yes. E even the normal, just we're talking bread and butter taxi spec, yeah. if you like, Commodores yeah. Yeah. have gone up at least 10,000 or more. Wow. In in the red lines and in the V8. Well, what about a yes, what yes, about a motorsport edition? They must be expensive. The, well, they were they were expensive new, but yeah, there's I've oh. seen one top six figures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, doesn't surprise me. Yeah, motorsport edition, and they've got the extra little like trinket coolers and yep. jigs on them. They're actually I don't mind them. I reckon they're a real honest car. And and why is this though? You thinking what what is happening? Well, here? it's just supply and demand. It's like the stock market, and it's a fear of missing out on being able to own one of the last Australian cars. Yeah, because um, you actually said earlier you, you think. You would have owned one, but you sort of let it go. I kind of missed the boat because I was yeah. involved and in other you'd, things. So you'd never buy one at that money, would you? No, no. not at all. And no. so, you know, and, and again, we were talking about this earlier. If I wanted to buy, if I wanted the LSA experience and the LSA experience is out there, there are some great bargains to be had in um, Camaros of the same or earlier era, 2011, 12, 13. Yep. They had the LSA in them, like the ZL1. Which is a cool thing. It's got big tyres on it. Looks pretty cool if you can, you know, if you like that Transformers kind of thing. You can pick them up for forty to fifty grand less than the equivalent four-door Commodore, all because it doesn't have the Elizabeth factor. Yeah, but but when it comes to sort of like the maintaining of that vehicle, mm -hmm. it's a little bit trickier, surely. I mean, right. I know it's just a GM product and all, it's but got a Mexican gearbox, a Canadian engine. You know, what, what, what? Technically, underneath it's looked VE Commodore, didn't it? It, it is, it, it is. is. But yeah. the, only, the only problems you get with them is um, dealing with some of the crap that happens with conversions. You know, yeah. like yeah. I've seen some really interesting pulley structure changes on them and stuff <laughs> like that. Okay. <laughs> to clear certain parts of the, yeah. the engineering. That steering wheel has to move when you do a conversion. No, so. it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Or the steering wheel has yeah. to move. Yeah. But there are some. You know, you get like shaft conversions and stuff, which yeah. you just, well, in my experience, don't it's steer sketchy. right. Yeah. They just don't steer right. Yeah. You know, they're no good. And the old chain, you know, but, you know, a proper mirror image conversion, which is what you want, which yep. should be doable, actually, in a Camaro quite easily. The ones we're talking about here that we were looking at are all mirror image, but there should be like some VE parts being stuffed You'd think from so. Australia yeah. that... You know, carries through like steering racks and, and you know, columns and all of this sort of malarkey. I mean, the dash is is the hard issue, and you know the the things I see go wrong with import ZL1s. I only have a body electronics like HVAC stuff and you know flaps, automatic flaps not working properly anymore, okay. and just dumb shit like that. Yep, nothing you can't fix with a bit of wire. It's like a set of secondaries <laughs> on a holly. That's it. That's it. Wire them up. I'll put a drawstring out there. I've been, you know, like my TJ Wrangler, where, you know, when it was a week old, they all just broke and fell apart and <laughs> fell into the dash. Yeah, you, know, you don't expect too much, but... Exactly. To me, they're a good quality car, and they've got a bit of cool to them. Yeah, but that, that'd be the only LSA option in this country, would it? Because we, we don't, you know, America mm. gets a lot more options than we do, obviously. Yeah, like, look, that's all I've seen that's affordable and readily available. Yeah. Is, yep. is the old ZL1s, and you know what, I hate to say it, but I reckon they look better than the fifth gen or whatever the... Uh, the HSV converted things are we got here. Yeah, okay. I reckon the old girls actually look better, and I reckon the LSA, in some ways, is a nicer combination than the LT4. Okay. You know, LT4 is a little bit highly strung in some ways, and less tunable. I uh, know they're fully tunable, but you know, but aren't they a bit closer to that ragged edge? Or is there more scope in the LSA? Uh, I think so. The LSA is just the LSA has got its roots buried deep in the LS1 still, you know, and I love that. 
you know, it wow. doesn't have any of these fancy pants. There's a blast from the past. The LS1, oh. the best GM motor ever made. Oh, easily. Boat, you reckon? Well, you can get one with 300,000 Ks on it and still, like, spin it to 7,000 RPM or, you know, stuff 10 pounds of boost through a Wuhan wall whistle, <laughs> yeah. a teriyaki tractor turbo yep. down its throat, yep. and they don't yep. fall apart, do they? It's still running. Yeah. You look at, like, an L77, and all you got to do is look at it, and all the plastic tensioners break and <laughs> d displacement on yep. demand lifters crack. They, they got it. too tricky for their own good. Yeah, they did. Yeah, I agree with that. And things went right and went cool again once they took all of that shit out of it and put a blower on it and went back to basics. Yeah. LS3 and LSA are probably the two best. And LSA with active fuel management kind of just doesn't work, does it? No. It's, it, no, the two should never go together. And it's got, you know, the big super-sized me blower on it, that, you know, awesome tower, <laughs> tower of power, the, the 1900. Yep. Yep. And whereas the LT4s went to a, like a 1740 or something, didn't they? Yes, they did. But as we know, you can change the LSA blower out now. Well, you can. I mean, people, it's not all about size. This isn't like the shower oh, block at Roxby Downs. Yeah. I mean, you know, the rotor design was more efficient than the 1740. They spun them harder. You know, you can make good power out of them yeah. still, but you still just throw them straight in the bin. Exactly. You put yeah. like, you know, what have, what have we got going on the Z07? I That's think it's 2650. 2650 Maggie. Yes. Bigger coolers and, you know, so that will be a pretty pretty cool thing. And they're a pretty intense little motor. The, what, the, why Maggie? What was the choice going there? Maggie or Maggie, really. Is that it? We couldn't really? get anything um, Harrop under the bonnet on it, no. No, okay. Uh, their product for that wasn't released, otherwise we would have gone that way. Yeah, okay, yeah. So, okay, you've, what, what have you got? You've got a VF2 SS. No, mine's a VF1. Oh, so that's mine's, right. You know the L77 you're just ragging yeah, on? Yeah, dog shit yeah. on demand engine. Dog shit on demand. So nice. I bought one. I got yep. it home. I did DOD delete. Yep. <laughs> yeah, straight away. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I, I think we had it on one. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that was cam and lifters and all that's in the bin. Yep. Yeah, that, so that went up. So that, that's that's a good car. I like, you know I like my VF. I think they're a fantastic they car. They are. But yeah, I've also good family got, car for a guy that doesn't have a family. Yeah, I've also got that old WBU we were discussing. Yeah, oh, that, that, yeah, that'll family. never, yeah. that'll never go anywhere. I like that. you. Actually, maybe drop the F bomb then. Just <laughs> thinking about that one-legged goat. <clears throat> I'm thinking of putting LSD in that, but that's another story. And I've, I think I've, you're an LSD keeping it. But yeah, I, I've sort of had a few cars in the past. Like, I had a VL, a VL. I know you probably prefer the RB version, but I had a. Oh no! It's oh really. Oh, nice. I had a 5-litre VL. Made no power, but that was one of my favourite cars that I actually owned. I wish I still had that. I reckon it would be worth more money now. What, do you think you're a copper or something? <laughs> no, it was, no it, was a good, it was a good, cool car. I liked it. In fact, my first car I ever had was a HK. And we all know what's happened to them, monetary-wise. They've gone through the roof. They've been recycled into coins, what was left of them that wasn't <laughs> yeah. rusted out. So what was the best VL ever made? Come on. Best VL. Well, I'm going to get it, you here. On, on, no, you're not. Yeah, no, this, this is easy, easy. It was fitted with a polarizer. <laughs> See, I got you. Yeah. And I only ever had. Oh, get bitch. this. Get this. It had Peter Brock's signature on it. Now, if you got a VL Group A without his signature on it, it didn't come with a polarizer. Is that right? I reckon I'm right. How would I know? I only make oh, polarizers. Come on. No, I reckon you are right there. Yeah. But there will be some. HSV uh, aficionados listening to this, it'll probably correct us both. But how did you know I was going to pick the burgundy bugger? Oh, because it's the best one. I yeah. mean, I, the, um, without offending anyone, because this is its, its terms of endearment, the plastic pig, <laughs> which the was flying the, picnic the, table, the, the Wilkinshaw version, yep. was also a cool one. But I knew you'd be a little bit more 
bespoke. Well, you can <laughs> you can feel the vibes of the polarizer from where we're sitting now. You can, you can. And you know, you're the orgone energy. You're feeling we, we orgasmic. We get in here you are. and we just chat and talk. Yeah, and man, it's it the happy vibes coming it out is, of this isn't car. It? Yeah. Wow. So, yeah, that was probably my pinnacle. And that was actually carburistered too, that engine, it wasn't it? It was, yeah, something that you're almost anti. But, yeah. No, because when it's polarised, the carburetor works properly. Oh, it's almost fuel injected with a polarizer on it. Better, because <laughs> or someone was arguing with me the other day that uh, fuel injection is no good, particularly on Commodores, because it's not real time, where carburetors are real time. Oh. Have you heard that one before? No. no. No, they're instantaneous, faster than the speed of light, whereas there's this electron transfer that's got to happen uh, with fuel injection where it's working a crank cycle. Who in. the hell are you talking to? Oh, I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to upset any. Oh, flat, okay. I don't want to upset any flat earthers here. <laughs> but okay, yeah, I, I don't. You know, but yeah, no. But carburetors are the real time version of fuel injection, yes. so I think they're going to make a comeback. They could. They could. Just not in my lifetime, because I think. Uh, they're on the way out as it is no matter what. Really? Didn't you see just during this week, I reckon there's a state somewhere they've voted to outlaw petrol engines. What, in America? America? Yeah, yeah. before 2030 or something like that. Well, it's called California, mate. Oh, I've never heard of it. Is, is it new? Yeah. <laughs> was it California, was it? I think so. They're going to rule it. Oh, no but way. But you know, well, no, California, has some, California has some um, deep and rich roots, uh, obviously, in the Hollywood acting thing and also with cars. So carb. I can. Uh, cars. Carb. Uh, yeah, carb came from there. And I can imagine, you know, a carburetor standing there being held. You know, by saying I'll be back, you know, because <laughs> the governor won't, the ex governor no. wouldn't allow that. No. But yeah, speaking of which, we have been working quite heavily with CARB, um, yep. California Air Resources Board. Yep. We're making a bit of headway. Um, it's all about the onus of proof uh, being on you as a supplier of parts that they don't alter emissions. And so you've got to download a vehicle emissions data pack for whatever um, vehicle it is that you're trying to comply your parts for and then supply them evidence that emissions are not altered in any way, which can be, if they determine that you need a full lab cycle test, yeah. it can be a very expensive process. For what parts? Well, I'm doing it at the moment for an intercooling system, which doesn't change any of the engine breathing, doesn't change position of the type of the blow-off valve, doesn't change anything, and you can put on our whole... Um, premise of being able to do this is you can put it on the engine and a standard vehicle and guarantee not to throw the check light okay so if you can work within the, the specified obd two parameters you have half a chance of not being dragged through the coals backwards by car half a chance half I a like chance that. it's still up to individual discretion of your case because realistically the thing with the cooler is it's going to change the efficiency of that engine well so it, it does slightly, but it keeps it within the bounds of the engine's uh, mapped airflow, engine's mapped boost pressure, and engine's IBD2 controls and tailpipe emissions. And so we proved that by putting it on the dyno and having a look at the power difference. I did a post on Facebook the other day showing it was a process Western intercooler on an STI that it does make about just changing nothing else, about 15, 16 horsepower at the wheels. But what it, that's not what intercoolers are there to do. They're there to actually keep that, performance linear across the temperature yeah across the temperature range you know yeah okay so yeah we're into and of course this is why i like making parts for teslas because there is no tailpipe to measure the emissions from carb haven't asked for a look at nah, your uh, nah, your nah. tesla parts it doesn't fall inside of their 
Um, there is there is a, a specification of what parts need to be to have an EO number. Yep. To be sold, exemption order number to be sold in the state of California. And if you can't sell them in the state of California, you really can't sell them anywhere. Exactly. So, exactly. Paul, just before we go today, what are you going to put in the shed next after this VF2? You've got 10 seconds starting now. Absolutely no idea. And the reason, I'm honest there, I have no idea. I think I'd rather spend my money on those vehicles. I, I can't find another car that I would like to own. And with that, we're going to get Paul some, we're going to hook him up to the Tesla's battery pack, get him some electroshock therapy, and we'll be back <laughs> very soon. Bye, all.